Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Okay, we started a new series last week. I've got to ask this question again. How many guys in the room, not the ladies, because I know the ladies are all like weepy-eyed anyway. How many of the guys in this room actually are watching This Is Us? Raise your hand. Okay, keep your hand up because I've got gifts. Here's your Kleenex. Here's you some Kleenex. Who else? Come on, don't be afraid. Oh, uh, who? Oh, I saw Quinn. Okay, this is dangerous. Quinn. Oh, wait, that one's easy. I'm going to warm up on Andrew. All right, Quinn, here we go. See if I can. Oh, I did. Oh, that, that's pretty good. I could try out for the Thunder people that throw T-shirts. Anybody else? Oh, Mike, Mike. Uh, see, he doesn't even want to publicly admit I got some more. Uh, oh, Woody, way back there, all right, because I'm throwing out man cards next week. All right. All right, our man cards next week. Uh, okay, who else? Uh, Ryan, you look like you're really boohooing hard. So, uh, so, uh, so, uh, this is us. This is what we've been talking about. Uh, uh, this was the declaration that uh, Ralph Ellison made. He's he's the author of the Invisible Man. Uh, he said, "When I discover who I am, I'll be free." I, as I look over Scripture, what I discover from, from Old Testament to New Testament is, is it is literally a, uh, a summary, uh, a, a peek inside, if you will, of people who are struggling to determine who they are. My, one of my favorite all-time characters, and I don't have time, if you get me off on, on this one, I would, I would like go crazy because it's my favorite all-time Old Testament story. It's the story of Abishai. I started preaching about Abishai when I was in college. Abishai's name is revealing because his name means the father of a gift. And if, if you take the time and search it out through the Old Testament, he was one of David's mighty men. But you see that he flounders and he struggles until he figures out who he is and in this attempt to live up to his name. When he finally discovers who he is, it changes his whole life. In the New Testament, we referred to people like Saul and Simon, and, and they're in this, this struggle. They think they know who they are, but they really don't know. And they have this encounter with Jesus, and all of a sudden, their life is transformed to the point that now they need a name change. And so they become Paul and Peter, and it's this struggle to know who they are. So I think that many of us don't really understand who we are, and so we struggle. We're not as effective and purposeful in life as we should be because we don't really know who we are. And so I'm thankful this morning that, that uh, rather than floundering in confusion and not knowing which way to turn and not know how to live our life, that Jesus took the time in Matthew in perhaps, uh, probably not even perhaps, the fact is it, it is the most famous sermon that Jesus ever preached. He, he took time. He climbed a mountain. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, we're trying to approach it a little different, but, but it's the Sermon on the Mount. And he begins to talk to us about us. That, you go read it like in, in the light of what we've been talking about and we'll continue to talk about. He is literally describing point by point who we're supposed to be. And so last week we talked about the fact that he said, this is us, we're blessed. In every situation, in every circumstance, whether you're on the mountaintop, whether you're in the valley, whether it's a good day, whether it's a bad day, he says we're blessed. That's who we are. We cannot escape that fact, y'all. It doesn't matter what you're going through. You are still blessed. See, I got one person to agree with me. We're still blessed. 
All right, I just want to make sure you're with me. Okay, so, so let's continue with what Jesus says about us. In Matthew chapter 5, we pick it up. We read uh, verses, I believe, 1 through 12 last week. This week is uh, Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. Here's what he says. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its taste, it cannot be made salty again. Salt is useless if it loses its salty taste. It will be thrown out where people will just walk on it. You are the light that shines for the world to see. You are like a a city built on a hill that cannot be hidden. People don't hide a lamp under a bowl. They put it on a lampstand. Then the light shines for everyone in the house. In the same way, you should be a light for other people. Live so that they will see the good things you do and praise your Father in heaven. Jesus says, this is us. Square pegs. That's who we are. We are square pegs. I knew you wouldn't be too excited about that, but let me see if I can explain. Jesus, in this account, in these just these few verses, uses two illustrations to tell us that we are responsible for God being seen. So he starts this talk and he says this. He starts off by saying, you are salt. You under, you've got to understand the context that Jesus is, is talking in, and you've got to understand that salt was a very valuable commodity in the day that he was living. In fact, the Roman soldiers that were so prevalent in that area, in, that, in, the, in the cities that he was around, controlled by Rome, Roman soldiers everywhere, their wages were, was paid in salt. That's why... Uh, we get the word uh, that we use for salary from a Latin word, salarium, which literally means salt money. Their paycheck was salt. And Jesus begins to talk about, on uh, drawing on the prominence of the value of salt, he begins to talk about that we are the salt of the earth. And so in our day, in our colloquialisms, what we do, we change that phrase to st- say stuff like that. That guy right there, he's worth his weight. In salt, right? So, so it's this value of salt. We've got to understand that salt has three distinct properties. Number one, it preserves. One man said this. He said, we protect society from the full sway of evil that would otherwise be unle- unleashed on the world. As believers, Jesus looks at us and he says, you're a square peg, you're salt. You are to preserve the world from from being influenced by so much evil. But there's a second uh, property of salt, and that is this. It brings seasoning or flavor. Ever had to go on a salt-free diet? Uh, It stinks, doesn't it? Uh, Yeah, because it adds something. Then the third value or property of salt is that it does this. How many of you have ever had a cut on your finger and salt gets in it? You know, you know what it does, right? It irritates, but it also does this. It pulls out the poison and the dirt, and it helps bring healing. And so in this account, what Jesus is saying is that these three properties very clearly speak to about us, about our role in the world. Jesus is literally trying to teach us that, that we are not supposed to fit in. There's supposed to be something different about us. He is literally trying to save us from the anxiety and the wasted energy and efforts that that we are that we expend on trying to be like everybody else. See, we think most people struggle with that in high school. 
But I would submit to you that most of us struggle, struggle with that in high school and we drag that same effort and, and desire into adulthood and we waste all of our time and all of our energy trying to impress people we don't even like. And so we, we use this, but Jesus is saying we're not supposed to be like those around us. We are supposed to be different. In fact, our difference is what makes us unique and our difference is what is supposed to make us effective. So we're not supposed to be like them. We are square pegs. Anybody like being a square peg? Most of us don't. We're spending money and energy and we're stressing out over trying to fit in when we're not supposed to fit in. We are supposed to be salty. The way we live our lives is supposed to bring a new taste or a new flavor to the table. In fact, I want to say this to you so it will kind of take the stress out of your life a little bit. We're even supposed to be just a little bit irritating to those around us. Now, some of you have taken it to an extreme. <laughs> Ever had food that was too salty? Okay, just word. Just word, okay? But, but there is that part of us where we are supposed to be just a little bit irritating because we're so different. See, I, I want to submit to you this morning that we are supposed to live in a way where we stand out in stark contrast to those around us. All right, so, so notice what Jesus says. He says, if we lose our difference and our distinction, what's he saying? He's saying if we look like and act like the world. He goes on, he says, the world will throw out our truth and walk right over it. That's what he says. He says, if you lose your saltiness, the, the world will take the salt and throw it on the ground because it's useless and they will walk over it. In other words, what he's saying is this. We have marginalized, we, have be, we are marginalized and we become minimized because we have diminished our difference. I'm going to say that again. We are marginalized because we have minimized our difference. We look and act just like everybody else and so they can't tell who we are. And so then they throw out the truth. Okay. All right. Our continued attempts to be more like society than like Jesus has caused society to reject the Jesus in us. Because if the Jesus in us is just like what they're dealing with, why would they want to add the baggage of Jesus? Okay, I can't. All right. Jesus says it like this. He says, you're square pegs. You're aliens. You're a freak. Okay. <laughs> oh, somebody's just getting in trouble today. <laughs> so what I am asking you to do is this. Quit trying to fit in. Quit spending all your time trying to adapt. Quit trying to adjust. Quit trying to blend in. Our difference is what makes us different. And if we are like them, then we cannot lead them. Uh, a disappointed salesman who made his very best pitch to try to sell the product he was selling. He was a traveling salesman. And he, he gave his best pitch. And it didn't work. He got turned down. So he calls back to the home office to report to his supervisor. And this is what he says. He says, I gave my best pitch. And it failed. And then he says this, I guess you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. I want you to listen to what the supervisor's response was. He says, your job isn't to make him, to drink, make him drink, it's to make him thirsty. 
So my question to you then is this. Are you making anybody thirsty for Jesus by the way that you live? I, I want to encourage you, encourage you this morning. If you got him, you need to start flaunting him. You need to begin to live in such a way and present Jesus in such a way that it makes everybody around you thirsty for the difference that is in you. At work, you've got to be different than everybody else or they won't know that you're different than everybody else. At school, you've got to be different than everybody else or they won't know you're different than everybody else. In your neighborhood, you've got to be different than everybody else or they won't know that you're different than anybody else. So then when they have trials and they have struggles and they have hurts and they have pains, they won't know who to turn to because if you're just like them, why would they turn to you? Because you can't help them. Okay, uh, see, Jesus says we are square pegs. Then he goes one step further. He says, not only are you a square peg, this is us. You're a spotlight. We're spotlights. Jesus says that we are the light of the world. I wish I could take you with, with us to Israel. We're going to go in, in 2018 in November, and I hope most of you can go, uh, although I can only take 30. But anyway, uh, uh, because this doesn't make any sense to us, but, but Jesus around, he spent... The majority of his ministry, almost I think it's 87% of his ministry around the Sea of Galilee, Galilee. And, and we've got this conjured picture of, of what it is. The Sea of Galilee is like going to Lake Overholzer. I mean, it's, it's only eight miles across. It's not, that, it's not a massive thing, but it's completely surrounded by these, uh, we would call them mountains because we're Oklahomans, but, but uh, these mountains and, and Jesus is standing on the, sea of, the, the shore of the Sea of Galilee and he's, he's climbed up this mountain, in fact, and, and he's preaching, and he points across. And there's one of the Greek cities that, that has been built by Herod the Great. It's, it's part of the Decapolis, and it's most likely uh, the city of Susita, S-U-S-I-T-A. I, I got to stand in the ruins of Susita. And what I realized, I've got pictures of it. I started to show them to you. But once again, Israel just looked like a bunch of rocks. And, but, but, but it's this elevated city on the mountain. You can see it from the entire region. You can't go anywhere around the Sea of Galilee and not see the city. And Jesus probably points at this city and he said, you're like that. You're like a city on a hill. Can't be hidden. We can spot you from everywhere. That's what he's saying. You're a spotlight. So I want to say to you this morning, I need to tell some of you this morning this. You can hide him. But he refuses to hide you. You can try to hide Jesus all you want to. But the truth is, is that you will never get away from this fact right here. He will not hide you. He will put you on display so that people will discover. They will, they will weed you out. They will find you. Because you're the city on a hill. You are a billboard. You are his marketing plan. You are his brand. You are, in fact, Jesus' bumper sticker. Yeah, I'm coming for you right here. He, he, you are his T-shirt. You are his commercial. You are his Instagram post. You are his Twitter feed. You are his Facebook post. He is what, you are what he uses to reach the world. In other words, 
You are the way that people see the way. Oh, you miss me. You are the way that he has chosen to show people the way. So Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, same sermon. He ends this little section by saying this. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good deeds and moral excellence and recognize and honor and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So Jesus approaches us in this last statement and he states it as a fact. He says, let your light shine. So it's a fact. He, he is literally stating the reality of a fact. He's saying, look, it's a foregone conclusion. You've got light in you. If you know that, if you've accepted Christ as your Savior and you're one of his followers, he's just looking at you and going, it's a, it's a foregone conclusion. There's light in you. You can't, you can't get rid of it. You, it's there. But I want you to see what he does. It's a foregone conclusion that you have light in you. But Jesus then addresses that we are responsible for the way the light shines. So I need to help you this morning. This helps me. This statement, I'm getting ready. I wrote it down specifically like this. I want to help you this morning. I need us to understand that a good life and, a good, and good works don't make you holy. What they do is they make the holy identifiable. Some of us have been caught up in trying to live in such a way so that it hopefully will make us holy. That's what, that's the result, the, the result of that is like my grandmother's church uh, that I grew up and I'd go to her church and on the, on the front door there was a sign that said, women, no pantsuits allowed. Why? They were trying to be holy. Right? So when my dad would preach, he couldn't wear his rings because that's needless ornamentation. Y'all looking at me like I'm a, I'm a foreigner. Some of y'all never experienced that kind of stuff. But we get hung up on that stuff thinking that that's what makes us holy. Look, Jesus said, look, that stuff doesn't make you holy, but what it does when we live differently than everybody else, and I'm not, please, I'm not asking all you women to go home and throw all your pantsuits away and start coming in skirts. I'm not saying that. Please don't quit wearing makeup. And, and uh, guys, uh, please... Uh, <laughs> Shine, Jesus, shine, you know? I mean, uh, okay. I know I'm, da I'm living dangerously, aren't I? Sorry. Yeah, I know. I know. There was a, there was a day without women. I'm going to have a year without women, all right? So uh, that's not what I'm, I'm not saying. Stop all that. I'm saying that our difference is how the light gets out of us. So... He's literally saying this, if there are no good works and there's no moral excellence in us, then God cannot be seen. I need you to let that, that statement sink in. If there's no good works and there's no moral excellence in our life, what is he saying? He's saying, if we lie as much as those that don't know Jesus and we cheat as much as those that don't know Jesus, and we steal as much as those that don't know Jesus, and we sleep around like those that don't know Jesus, and we watch what those people that don't know Jesus watch, and we listen to what those people that, and we go, we go where, then he's saying there's no way for the light to get out of you. And they miss God. So, here it is in a nutshell. If we're bound just like they're bound, 
And we're trapped just like they're trapped. And we're addicted just like they're addicted. And we're broken just like they're broken. Then how in the world are we able to point them to the one we're supposed to be pointing them to? He says, you're not supposed to be like that. So we have a huge and heavy responsibility to shine differently. In fact, if we don't shine differently, then we don't shine brightly. He says, no man puts a lamp under a bowl. Do you know what happens? In that day, uh, the lamp was literal fire. It was like a, a, a little oil lamp. Do you know what happens if you take an oil lamp and you put a bowl over it? Do you know? What? It goes out. Because it doesn't have the necessary oxygen, it extinguishes the fire. But isn't that what most of us in the church world do? We come into the bowl and we shine brightly in here, but we close it up in the bowl and the fire goes out. Okay. All right, so, so then what happens is this. We shine only when we're in here, and we refuse to make in, take any intentional steps to share, to invite, to witness. And so then our fire goes out, and the darkness gets darker, and the, the, brightest, the, the lighted places get lighter. Uh, we were at an event, Pastor Woody and I and Andrew, Pastor Andrew, we were at an event, and they were highlighting their next speaker, and it, it struck me, he, they just showed a video clip of him, and he said, uh, no, nobody, there's very few churches where uh, people are comfortable if from the pulpit, people, the preachers don't talk about outreach. They get uncomfortable when the preacher doesn't talk about outreach and doesn't talk about evangelism. Yet at the same time, there's nobody that will hold anybody accountable if there's no evangelism being done. So people will come and say, well, pastor, you haven't preached about evangelism and soul winning in a while, and we would like for you to, to, to do so. But then at the same time, nobody complains and nobody says anything if after he's finished preaching about evangelism, nobody does it. And Jesus says that we are supposed to be spotlights pointing people to Jesus, that's who we're supposed to be. We should grow very uncomfortable in our own life if we're not making intentional steps. Because this never gets easy. Intentional steps to share the love of Jesus with people. We are uh, like this. It's perhaps the best picture I know. A statement made by a little boy. He looks out his window one night, and this is in the old days when I know we're used to streetlights just coming on by themselves. But this, in the, this was in the old day where they had to light the streetlights. And he's got his face pushed up against the window, and he sees this man lighting the, the city's streetlights, literally lighting them. And he says to his mom, he says, Look, Mom, there's a guy out there poking holes in the darkness. And I want to challenge you this morning that beyond just coming to church at Passion on a Sunday morning and sharing light with people who already have light. Because light draws light, and we like to be in the light. I want to challenge you that what we are supposed to be about, and it's just not me challenging you, Jesus is challenging you, that we are supposed to be out there poking holes in the darkness. Everywhere you go, you are a light, like a city on a hill. So at work, you should make 
it possible for there to be more light? You should poke holes in the darkness at work. You should poke holes in the darkness at school. You should poke holes in your neighborhood, the darkness in your neighborhood. Everywhere you go, when you go to lunch this afternoon, and they serve you badly, you have the responsibility to poke holes in the darkness of the life of that server. That's our role. So I'm calling you back to booster band days. Anybody old enough? I got five of us old enough. Some of y'all are booster band. It was In the old days, we'd call all the kids up at the end of service, and we'd give them really cool instruments like sand blocks and sticks and bells, and we'd sing these songs. And we used to sing this song, This Little Light of Mine. See, I knew, I knew some of this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, right? Y'all remember that? But you also know that there's this thing in there where we used to sing, I won't let the devil blow it out. Remember that? And we'd do the action, right? Here's my concern. I don't think he has to blow it out. Jesus says we're full of light, and yet the devil doesn't have to blow our light out. Because we refuse to allow our light to shine. So I'm calling you back to booster band days where you will make it your purpose to be a square peg and a spotlight. And that you will point people to Jesus. And you will be so different. Different. Well, what do I have to do to be different? Like dye my hair purple? No. You do good works, and you live with moral excellence. And birth out of that, that is such a stark contrast from the world that we live in, that people will then go, I want to know what's different about them. Don't you know different attracts? Does anybody ever go to the store to buy Exactly. Like I saw my friend, like, I like your shirt, Tari. I'm going to go find one exactly like it so we can accidentally wear it on the same Sunday and look like goobers. Do, does anybody? Well, okay, John and, John and Mike, we're glad Mike's back, but they, they, they accidentally were the same, like lumberjack twin power. I don't know. Um, nobody does that on purpose. Maybe twins, but nobody does that on purpose. Coordinated, I know they coordinated, but but most of the time, normal people don't normally go out and try to be just like everybody else. We buy cars, we find different colors of cars, we we find different kind of clothes, we want our house to look a little bit different. But then when it comes to this, we want to fit in. I am asking you to quit doing that. I'm asking you to do this in in a nutshell, and then I'll be quiet. I'm asking you to be Jesus's hype man. I'm asking you to not try to steal the show, but rather point a spotlight on him and consistently and persistently point people to him as the difference in you. Put God on display. We're going to give you an opportunity to do that, and we're going to pray here, but I want to do this. We're going to give you an opportunity to do that. We Easter's coming. Easter's one of the most incredible opportunities we will have all year long. To point people to Jesus. Even people that know nothing about Jesus know about Easter. Now, they get it messed up sometimes because they think it's about Easter bunnies. I don't care. Whatever it takes, use the bunny. I don't care. What I do care about is that somewhere in the mix, 
while they're eating their Cadbury egg. They're reminded that Easter is about the resurrection of our Lord. It is a prime opportunity to point people to Jesus. Christmas and Easter, perfect opportunities to point people to Jesus. We're going to give you several opportunities on that Easter weekend. One on Friday, Good Friday. We don't want you. We want you to understand that there was a price to be paid before there could be Easter. So we're doing a thing here called a Remember Room. We're going to have a couple of them set up, and you can come and go from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. It'll take you about 10 to 12 minutes. Uh, parents warning, the, the, the video material of that room is graphic, but, but if you've got people in your life that don't know Jesus, it's the perfect opportunity to say, hey, would you come visit a Remember Room with me? So let's really find out what Good Friday is about. Because Good Friday was good for us, but it wasn't so good for Jesus. And then on Saturday, we have our Passion Community Egg Hunt, a lighthearted day where people will look like crazy folks running for a piece of candy. We do an adult hunt, too, just because we like to see people pull hamstrings around here. And, uh, and it'll be fun, but in the midst of all that fun, it's a perfect opportunity to tell them about Jesus. And then on Sunday morning, We'll spend some time talking about what Jesus has done for us. And so we're providing these cards today for you. List all three activities. Don't go stick this on your refrigerator. Light doesn't need light. These are to hand to people in dark so they can see Jesus. You're a square peg. Quit trying to fit in. You're a spotlight. Quit trying to hide him. You can't, and him be shared with anybody. Father, this morning, my prayer is that we would live up to this heavy responsibility that you've placed on us. I'm reminded today that myself included, so many of us try so hard to fit in. We don't want to be different. But this morning, I pray that you would remind us of our difference and we would recognize that we're not supposed to be like everybody else. That there is supposed to be something significantly and prominently different about us. God, I pray that you would enable us this morning to begin to do good works. Help us to get off the shelf. Help us to get off the sidelines. Help us to find a way to do good works where we, where we do things to benefit others. God, I pray that you would help us to live with moral excellence. That whatever society says is right, we don't go by that. That's not our standard. We live in a higher moral code than that. We'll talk more about that next week in some of the most painful parts of what you tell us on the Sermon on the Mount. But, but you call us to this higher level of living. God, I pray that you would help us to live with moral excellence. Father, if there's one of your children in this house this morning that's struggling with an addiction, if they're chained, if they're broken, if they're trapped, if the things in society have beat them down, God, I'm praying this morning you would set them free and make them different so that they can shine brightly. God, I pray that you would help us to quit thinking that we can hide this light that is in us and I pray that we would come out of hiding and you would
and put us on display, not so that we get the attention, but rather so that we can point attention to you. I pray that we would take intentional steps. Intentional steps. It's not everybody else's job. It's my job. This is the responsibility that Jesus put on me. That I would take intentional steps to shine brightly so that they can see my Father. Father, this morning, rather than having us kneel at an altar, we make an altar right there where we are. And we repent of hiding light or only letting light shine where there's already light. I pray that you would shake us and rattle us and convince us that we are your marketing plan. This is our responsibility. If nobody comes to Jesus, it's not your fault. It's ours. So, Father, I'm asking you to put a new fire in us. I pray that we would burn brightly. I pray that we would be unable to hide what has changed our life. May we be faithful this morning. faithful this morning to shine brightly for you. I ask you to do this for your kingdom's sake and for your namesake. May you remind us this week that this is us. We're square pegs. We're spotlights. Father, we will give you the glory and the honor the praise in Jesus' name. This is how I want us to end this morning. I want you to reach over and lay your hand on, on someone. Don't, don't let anybody go without a hand on them this morning. And I just want you to pray. This is the one, one of the ways we let Jesus be seen in us. We allow Him to operate in us. Father, this morning I pray for the person that I'm touching right now. I really don't know what they may be going through. I don't know what they may be struggling with. But I pray that in the name of Jesus, the light that is in me would shine on them. And that you would minister to their needs right now. And I pray that you would set them free of anything that's trapped them, that's bound them, that's caused them to pull back in their brightness. I pray that instead that you would touch them right now and set them free so that they can shine brighter. Father, I pray for the person I'm touching right now that you would give them the opportunity today and this week to stand in stark contrast to everybody else around them. I pray that you'd put them on display at work and at school, in their neighborhood. I pray that you'd put them on display and that they would step up in that moment and they would be faithful in that moment to shine the light on you and they would react appropriately and they would behave appropriately in such a stark different way that those around them would be drawn to the Jesus in them. I pray that you would use them to bring glory and honor and attention to you, oh Father. I pray this in the mighty powerful name of Jesus. Put us on display, we pray. In
in Jesus' name. Pastor Danny. God is good, isn't he? Not part-time, but all the time. As you're preparing your morning tithes and offerings, if you're a visitor this morning, inside your bulletin there's a communication card. If you will fill that out, see Pastor Steve in the back. He wants to meet you, and he has a special gift for you, so see him back there. If you're a second-time visitor, see Pastor Steve back in the back, and he has a, a box of cookies. No, I'm sorry. He's got a pizza card for you. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.